Inspiration. Such a demanding thing. Or does it have to be? You can't make something if you're not consuming something. Or I create art in ordinariness. One doesn't have to look very far. Let me say a, a cosmic phenomenon. In conversations, ideas come to life. All of these things can be wellsprings of creativity. I want to be able to teach people, inspire people. That's where it all began. Somehow managed to see an opportunity where others didn't get it off the ground. People resonate with it and it's become its own thing. They told the story around it, and that's what really inspired me. There's so many possibilities. It's a very big pond, I guess. Thankful that I got like super bored not doing anything, so that made me start putting myself out there. Just be yourself. Just appreciate everything. It's all material. It's a podcast for and by creatives. My name is Aubrey, and I dare say it's all material. Let's get to the nitty gritty now, shall we? It's all material. Welcome to the show where we talk about all things creative and the other things that come with it. This podcast aims to show some love to artists all over the world. And today I'm with someone who has been just a blessing to the world of social media. He's done so much, both as a professional and as a creative. He's been a voice on your radio, a funny food meme on your FB and IG, a witty article on your newspaper name it, a face on YouTube, Lazada, and more. And he's a great singer too. Proud of this gem who's making it happen wherever he is. How are you, Jean? Hey, hi. I'm doing great. Um, it was a pretty difficult day, but since I got off work, I was able to do all my household chores, squeeze in a quick workout, and, and it wasn't late for this meeting. <laughs> Oh, awesome. How long have you been working from home ever since uh, crazy times happened? Yeah. So March of 2020. I see. Um, what do you do usually like on a typical day? Uh, these days, I'm trying to, to lead a more balanced lifestyle. So I wake up at around seven-ish, uh, mm. get to work at eight, that ends at five. And then... Depending on what day it is, I try to squeeze in a quick workout, uh, 30 minutes to an hour. And then I do all my chores. So wash the dishes, uh, vacuum the floors, mop the floors. Uh, yeah. At around this hour, yeah, at around 8, 8 p.m., um, my, my parents call me and we pray the rosary together. So they're all in Davao. I'm the only one who's away from the family. And yeah, so after the rosary... That's when I try to wind down. I change my lights to, uh, I have smart lights, so I change the light color to red. Ooh, like when you're uh, trying to go to sleep, does that relax you? Or is that during the rosary, sorry? Um, after, after the rosary. So I read somewhere that red light actually helps you cool down ah. after a day. Yeah, it is supposed to increase melatonin production and decrease cortisol levels. I don't really know what that means, but that's what I read. So I switched my lights to red. Um, you know how they say that blue light makes you makes makes it more difficult to, to sleep at night? So the opposite is red light, right? So yeah. Oh, okay. That's good to know. And how is it working out for you so far? Is it working? It is working. Although... Um, I've been trying to read more books. So my brothers gave me like a 
an ebook reader for Christmas. So I've been trying to read more books and that always puts me to sleep. So I don't, it's either the red light or the books. <laughs> Maybe there's also <laughs> like a placebo effect <laughs> to it. Right. But I mean, I'm so glad that you're doing great, like despite the crazy times that happened. Have you been boosted yet? Yes, yeah. In Davao, before the New Year's, I got my booster shot. Um, and I think that's one of the things that every day I'm still grateful for is that none of my immediate family has ever had uh, COVID. Oh, they're so blessed. You're yeah. so blessed. That's so great. I know. And especially since I live in Manila now, it's quite rare not to have symptoms. Like everybody I know uh, has been suffering from a symptom of either COVID or or just the common flu. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're so lucky. You really got lucky. So um, right now, um, I just wanted to talk to you more about your creative life. Like right now, you're um, you're also fulfilling your corporate life as well as your creative life. And I just wanted to, you know, circle back on how you got started with your creativity. Like, did it start at an early age, or when did you discover that you um, you wanted to do um, a food review page, or you wanted to write, you wanted to become a writer, or it, when you wanted to become a radio personality? Like, when did it all just you know dawned on you? Uh, I don't think it was. None of this was deliberate. It was more the opportunity presented itself, or I. Mm. I somehow managed to see an opportunity where where others didn't see it, I guess. Uh, and if it was something I thought I could do, then I proceeded to try it out. Uh, but it was never, uh, because I was involved in so many different things, it's a little difficult to answer that question, but it was never for social media at least, or for my, my blogging. I, I never did it for fame or to be recognized or to mm. to to go viral that was never the intent uh it was just sharing what i you know sharing my experience or my experiences and uh if you've stumbled upon my facebook or ig pages uh for lame way lame which yes. is uh, I'd like to. I'd like to think it's funny. It's a funny uh, food review in Bisaya. Yes, but, it is hilarious. <laughs> but that isn't uh, how I am as a person, right? Like you know me personally. I, <laughs> I I don't talk that way. That's not how I I communicate, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just that because I'm a marketing graduate, uh, I feel like uh, it's very important to be on brand. So yes. for Lami Way Lami, everything I wrote was deliberately on brand. And that's sort of the reason why I didn't why I wanted to remain anonymous as as the person behind Lami Way Lami. Because uh again, if you know me, you you'd know that that's not really how I communicate. <laughs> How do you get into yeah. character, though? I'm really curious. Like, how do you separate your own personality from the brand that you're trying to to portray for Lame Why Lame? It was uh, probably from talking to a lot of people that communicated that way. 
Mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. a lot of my friends talk that way you know I, i'm sure you've you, you've talked to some of my friends and they're very uh animated and yes. uh very funny witty people and uh i get i guess um putting myself in that headspace when i'm writing articles uh for limit wait limit um really helped versus for example Uh, confessions of a party file uh my oh, your blog radio and show my, yeah your vlog yeah, and, and your my radio, radio show and my and my newspaper column which uh if you read that <laughs> like totally different person <laughs> <laughs> i know right you were telling me earlier that you were like i wake up at seven now jean are you serious like <laughs> i was thinking Because i have like to it- work Yeah, yeah. Because before, um, when we used to work at, at Mix FM, we were both, you know, uh, we were all like witnesses to how much of a party foul you were. And I think it was a whole different world back then than how it is now. And it's just, it's just really refreshing, like to see you evolve, you know, in, in, in the way that you did. And it's just really fun, like thinking back to it now, like also the events that you hosted, God, those were so successful. And the The, all the places were always packed like man how do you do that i i don't know i you know in many of the things i do i think i'm just generally a lucky person i wouldn't say i'm extraordinarily good at any one thing in particular like i don't i wouldn't say that i was the best radio show host I, I never thought that. I don't. Looking back, I'm sure it, I wasn't the best. Uh, I wasn't the best uh, newspaper columnist. I wasn't the best um, blogger, vlogger. Uh, it was just I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I guess maybe the intent was clear. Uh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on top of on top of everything, your intent was clear. It was all intentional. You had a purpose for everything that you did. You had intention there and you and you delivered that intention and that's why people that's why you made an impact on people's lives all throughout those those phases and everything that you that you did creative wise. And I think that's what made the impact that it had before and it continues to make the impact that it has now yeah i agree because like if you really think about it um i'm sure for some people it would be difficult to transition from confessions of a party file uh you know it was straight english a little social Uh, mm. you know, very, very modern, very mm. liberated mm-hmm. uh, transition to very masa, pure Bisaya, uh, Lamit Wey Lamit, and, and all the other things that I did. Um, but yeah, I think it was because it was intentional and <laughs> like reading my material, you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, know it, but I really was uh, strategic about it. about partnerships I made, uh, promos right. I made, the things I said, what I wrote. And I remember when I used to go on air, uh, not many radio show hosts or radio DJs did this, but I came in the booth prepared with everything that I had to say for the whole show. Mm, you had show notes, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was very detailed. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was I I'd like to think I was strategic about it. Even uh let me wait, let me if you notice, uh if I review um 
one bad dish from a restaurant, mm-hmm. you can expect that like a couple of weeks after I'd review a good dish from them mm. as redemption, right? Right. Uh, uh, yeah, so it was strategic. And in fact, that was one of the reasons why I only reviewed one dish per establishment. That's right. Hmm. I understand now, now that you gave me all of this, like, wow, I'm mind blown. And also, since you already talked about, you know, um, posting negative reviews as well for food that you didn't happen to like, can you talk to me more about how you handle all that beef on social media, if ever you had any? Like, I'm sure that because of your following, it's inevitable to, you know, clash with other people. Like, how do you deal with those situations? I, you know, I didn't. <laughs> I don't really mind. By the time I got to Lamit Way Lamit, I was so used to negative uh, comments from, from Confessions of a Party File mm-hmm. that I didn't really mind uh, the negative. negative. Also, um, like, I put my opinion out there. So my mindset is that I should be able to take someone else's opinion about what I wrote. Although, you know, there were, sorry, there were, there were days when uh, it didn't feel good, but uh, you just learn to tune it out, I guess. Uh, you know, if they say something about it, they, they still engage and it's still <laughs> kind of good. But I, I, I never meant for it to like destroy a, a restaurant's reputation. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always had a backup post that was positive about them. And, mm-hmm. and it was intentional. I wouldn't review one dish from one restaurant with, you know, with a good review. And then a couple of weeks later, release a bad review. I'd always release the good review first so mm-hmm. that it would feel like redemption. And again, that's why I only review one dish per post. I don't do like a full menu review. Yeah. Because what I'm trying to say is this dish I didn't like, but there are other dishes from this restaurant that are that may be good. Yeah. And I think that because you're also, you know, you inform people and you educate them on where to go and what to try. I think that all of the information, whenever we provide information on social media, it's always open for interpretation and however the person understands it when, when, when he or she reads it. And I think that's also one of the things that some people are scared of doing, you know, like they're scared to make a wrong move on social media because they fear, they fear because of that fear of getting bashed. And now that you told me that, that you kind of found a way to tune that out. That's just that's just awesome. And um, when you told me that when, that your experience with confessions of a party file kind of made your skin a little bit thicker when you already handled la me oil la me, I think that's also a great example of you know keeping it pro, <laughs> like for all of the people who want to pursue something like this. Like, yeah, you just learn how to tune it out and then not take it personally as well. Right, because if you really think about it, they don't probably know you as a person. They're not attacking you personally. It's just that they didn't like your post. Also, uh, it's good to take a step back and think about whether you could have worded what you wrote better. Mm. 
and I think that's something that comes with maturity. Uh, but and accepting that you know it won't always be a good day. Not all your posts will be well received, and oh, yeah. if really you're looking for validation on social media, that's not the way to go. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it can sustain you because it takes a long time to gain traction. Mm. And people get bored easily, especially these days. Uh, they get bored easily. So, uh, you know, just share what you'd like to share. Uh, hopefully, the sharing is enough to feed your soul or whatever it is that you need feeding. Uh, but it's difficult when, when your sense of purpose is based on the number of likes you get. Because then you start to bandwagon. Then you start to uh, veer away from your brand. Exactly. Then you start... A lot, of, a lot of things can happen that aren't too good just because you feel the pressure of having to uh, release another hit post. Right, right. Especially when when something went out and then it got viral. And then afterwards, you're like, now what? How am I supposed to top that? Like, there are also people who put that pressure onto themselves, that unnecessary pressure, when they can just be themselves, when they can just speak their truths instead of actually, you know, overthinking stuff just to try to just uh, trying to get engagement because engagement I believe as well will always be organic and your true raving fans will still come find you wherever you are like whatever you post and once you build that loyalty and that relationship too with your audience then everything else is just going to be background noise it's it's about the community as well like when you when you post your food reviews and when people and when people share their experiences and also when you also post your your cooking videos and and people and people will be able to relate to what you said that's 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 a fulfilling type of feeling and um and and i think some people are just maybe too hard on themselves as well when they get into social media they just expect that everything is just gonna you know skyrocket from there but but the truth is it's still it's still important to to be yourself end of the day right and like honestly you can never uh predict what what is going to go viral like i remember i had this one post about a buffet restaurant i posted it at around 3 p.m before i slept the same evening it's had like a million um, views, uh, thousands of comments and tens of thousands of comments and, and shares and people started arguing in the comment section. Some people <laughs> were defending the, the restaurant. Some people were defending me. Some people were sharing uh, the battlefield. Their, their thoughts about it. Right. And I felt like it wasn't a very, it wasn't a safe space for people because people were st- really getting into it. Right. Mm. Uh, so, I deleted the post. Like, I didn't really mind losing the millions of views and whatever. I deleted it. Also, my phone started overheating because it, it was too many notifications. So It went that yeah. far? I didn't know this. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of my posts actually uh, reached like a million views from Lemay by Lemay. Several posts. And like the stupidest things could go viral. Like uh, when I got my booster shot on December 29th, Mm-hmm. The doctor, because I have like a tiger tattoo on my on my 
left arm. Mm-hmm. So the doctor inserted the... Oh, yeah, I saw the, that post. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I loved that. Like, r- right smack in the middle of the forehead of this tiger. And from the angle I took the photo uh, from, it looked like the tiger was depressed or sad or, yeah, or, or shaken. Yeah, it got beat up or something. <laughs> Right. So, and then they put the bandage over it. Um, and then I, I tweeted it. And for some reason, uh, it went viral. So now I think I have like 86, 87,000 likes from it. Awesome. Uh, a lot of uh, different pages uh, <laughs> took a screenshot of the tweet and shared it wherever. Uh, so, you know, you, you never Good really on know. You. <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I didn't get anything from it. I was like, well, funny. It was funny. It was funny. I didn't expect it to. <laughs> And that wasn't the first time either, because my first shot was in the same spot. I posted the same thing. Uh, nobody minded it, you know. Mm, nobody. Can, I don't think yeah. anyone can predict what 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 goes viral. That's right. Oh my gosh! Now that you gave me, now that you gave me that info, yeah, I totally agree that it's really unpredictable, like how the internet works. But you know, like you just post something and just hope it sticks, and that's it. <laughs> Side note, apparently there's this Korean like idol. Uh, I forget mm-hmm. his name, but I think he joined like a like a go-kart race or whatever, and he was asking for like a speed booster. Nobody gave it to him. And apparently he's obsessed with tigers. Mm. So, you know, booster shot plus my tiger tattoo. That's really one of the reasons why it went viral because mm. of the fans of this idol. And then <gasps> and because of that, more and more people found like I, how would I know? <laughs> I, I didn't even know who this uh, idol was. So, you know, it's just uh, time. No, they kept mentioning the idol. Mm, okay. Yeah, and they shared it on, on like fan accounts. So I asked uh, people in my subtweets who this was. I think his name was Hoshi uh, from 17. Mm. Uh, yeah. So they, they explained it to me. I didn't expect it. It was on Twitter. It blew up on Twitter. Yes, but obviously his stands also have a like a Facebook account or mm. like a Facebook page, and they shared it there. And just um, satire and comedy pages from mm-hmm. from from different countries <laughs> shared the tweet. <laughs> oh, that's so cute! Awesome. And I remember too, like. You told me before, like when we were still starting out um, uh, at Mix FM, you told me that when you were a kid, you also did TV commercials. And um, I was just, uh, you know, I was wondering, like, how how was that when you were when you were a kid? How did that feel? Like, what was that experience like for you? It was fun. Um, what commercial I was it? Uh, for TV, that was voiceover work for TV, for a TV mm-hmm. commercial. Uh, mm-hmm. Sun, wait. I hope I'm not messing this up. Sun, Sun Glow? The juice? juice. It was juice. <laughs> yeah, Sun Glow or... I, I don't remember. Um, but I also did some voiceover work for Hunt's Pork and Beans, if I'm not mistaken, and um, Safeguard. Ooh, way back when you were still in Manila, when you were still living in Manila? Yeah, I think my first commercial was when I was... Five, I like to say, not sure. How did you get discovered? How did you like (laughs) (laughs) my my dad's uncle conveniently works for these studios and uh, I think they just needed a 
young boy who could speak English. So that was my first gig. And then later on, um, I had, uh, for my safeguard commercial, I had the line in Savakano, which I don't speak, and Warai, which I don't speak also. So what they did was they uh, gave the, the lines to me. Mm. They said it in front of me so I could hear it thrice. And they expected me to get it. Okay. And did you? Was it good? Yeah, it took about maybe 30 takes just because they wanted changes in intonation and stuff. But, you know, for a an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, it was a pretty good gig. I think I think they paid me 2,500 per sentence. Oh my gosh. That's big yeah. money. Y- yes. In, in the 90s. Yeah, in the 90s. 95. Right. 95. Cool. And did you ever like consider going back to that type of career? Have you ever thought about it? Not really. Um, I've always had this. What I really believe in is when you find an opportunity, milk it. Hmm. But I don't go looking for these opportunities. They just somehow, you know, funny story. Uh, the reason why I, I applied for to be a DJ for Mix FM, I was talking to this one friend, Carla. Uh, I was asking her if she um, has heard about any opening or whatever, like a job opening, because I was just, I dropped out of law school. I spent a sem- semester there. Uh, and she said, I heard on the radio that Mix FM is looking for a DJ. So I applied, got hired the same day. And that was that. I was never like a huge radio fan. And after that, it's did you already start with your show, Confessions of a Party File, or did that take some time before you came up with that? I actually resigned after about three years, two years, because I was supposed to work for this pharmaceutical company, which didn't push through um, because I quit. <laughs> I quit even before I started. Um, but when I came, came back, uh, I came back with... Um, the idea for what would eventually become Confessions of a Party File. Uh, yeah. So when I started, I, was, I wasn't using my name. I wasn't using Jean. I was using Miller. Uh, and they gave me, for some reason, uh, the 9 a.m. to 12 noon time slot. And it was such a chore for me to wake up at 7. <laughs> just to be on air by 9. And I had to be perky. And it really... <laughs> I wasn't yes. having it. <laughs> they eventually moved me to, to 3 to 6 p.m. Um, because <laughs> it just wasn't working for me. <laughs> right, because 9 a.m. is like when everybody is awake and driving and going out and starting their day. So that's why you had to be perky. And then I already remember you as being so chill. Even when you're talking on air, you're like... And I think that's also... That's the personality, too, that you bring on the mic like that you bring to the mic your your chill personality and then ultimately it also led you to having your own show which was confessions of a party file and um can you tell me more about how you you know how you kind of got that idea um so i started a blog while i was in i'm not sure if it was college or law school but i started a a blog on blogspot <laughs> jologs libre yeah blogspot but 
it was I titled it Confessions of a Party File, um, where it talked about things I realized while while partying because uh, it consumed my life. Like I was doing it so much. I, there was a time I was partying every single night, um, and then I got approached by someone I met online, uh, and. So this person asked me if I wanted to, if I was interested in um, moving the blog to print. Mm-hmm. So uh, they introduced me to to their friend who was an editor uh, for Edge, the newspaper. So whatever I wrote for my blog for that week, um, they published on the paper. Mm-hmm. So I was doing this as Jean while I was on the radio as Miller was my air name. Um, and then again, I, I, uh, I resigned from MixFM for, for a month, I think. Um, <laughs> and then when I came back, unfortunately, they gave away my slot. Obviously, because someone had to take over my 3 to 6 p.m. Um, show. Mm-hmm. And the only available slot was for 6 to 9 p.m. every Wednesday, where it was supposed to be like a special show. So Miss mm. Joey, our station manager, um, asked me to come up with a concept. And that's what I thought of, just to uh, move the blog and the newspaper column to radio. Mm. I see. So, so kind of like um, converting your blog to a, an article on the newspaper, converting it again to audio and real time. Right. And it was always supposed to be like a talk show kind of thing where I gave out um, a cocktail recipe. If you remember a cocktail recipe, uh, celebrity birthdays we celebrated. And, mm. and there was a theme that was linked to my article. Um, yeah, so that's how it started. And eventually, it also became a series of um, events, events for Marco Polo Davao, right? Mm-hmm. But they approached me as well to do that. That wasn't my idea. Uh, I think they wanted to ha- hold like regular events for Eagles Bar uh, right. because it was becoming like a, a hangout place for a much older demographic. So they wanted to bring in um, younger mm, audiences, younger people. Younger yeah. people, I see. Among all of those, um, among all of the work that you've done, among all of your babies, which one's your favorite? Was it Let Me Wait, Let Me? Was it Confessions of a Party File? What was it? That's so difficult to... Uh, <laughs> For purely economic reasons, probably Confessions of a Party File, the newspaper column. Mm. Because I didn't have to spend anything for it. Um, And they paid me a reasonable amount. Uh, Wait, let me, is really really just an expense for me. It was more of of an outlet. So instead of sharing what I ate with my friends, which <laughs> at that time I was like, maybe they're annoyed by how much I post about food. So I'll just create a separate page for it. Um, but there re- <laughs> really was an expense because I never, um, 
accepted free food. I never uh, demanded for payment for review. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just because I feel like if they knew that a food reviewer was coming, they might give me better service and or better food, which then wouldn't be the same experience for my readers. That's right. right? That's right. Because so they know... Will be, yeah. yeah, automatically it'll all be biased. Like when they give you the food and they expect that you're a food blogger, they will just give you the, the best in their menu and they will give you everything else. And then that's not what everybody else will be will be getting because we'll just get like the reasonable portion. <laughs> and also like... I don't know, maybe they're just going to be upping their game. And that's such a nice way to get an unbiased review is if you do it fair and square, like without having to take any payment. But this is not to hate any of those uh, people who do the food blogs and get paid for Mm -hmm. features because they are also they also have different intentions when they're doing their their features. But with you, um, with the way I see it, your intention is to really give an objective review and and right yeah as a customer yeah right as a customer, as a customer. Right. yeah and not, not as, as a, a food reviewer right that's right. not like an influencer yes exactly so um making art or making something creative has its fun parts and not so fun parts what's your most favorite part of your process and what's your least favorite I think just conceptualizing is uh, where when I'm excited the most. Mm. Like thinking about uh, how to execute everything mm-hmm. uh, or deciding what is on brand, what's not on brand. Um, and really thinking about where I want the, the project to go. Also, it's kind of exciting. You know, uh, I, one of the most fulfilling parts of it is just realizing that this thing, this project started in your head mm. and nobody else thought about it. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason, you know, uh, I have managed to get it off the ground. Um, people resonate with it mm-hmm. uh, and it's become its own thing. Yeah. It's a uh, living, I, breathing thing now. <laughs> Right, and I, I've always made it a point to exit at the top. Meaning, mm. I always made it a point to quit Confessions of a Party File and let me, wait a me when it was, to me, at its peak. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that quote, it's better to burn out than fade away. Like, always end it on a high note. Instead of, mm-hmm. you know, deteriorating in the in performance, I think it's uh, I think that also makes sense because sometimes when when our priorities change, when our careers change, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that because there are sometimes that we also stretch ourselves too thin and we end up kind of neglecting something that we used to love doing and the quality of the content that we put out or the quality of that something that we're doing won't be the same as when we had our 100 focus 100 focus so that actually makes sense your creative juju 
Yeah, <laughs> do you know what right. I mean? Yeah, the creative right. juices. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking right. of, do you ever get creative block? How do you deal with creative block? All the time. And that's when I start considering just quitting. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I kind of... I tend to know when it's still exciting for me and when when the excitement has faded and it's not fulfilling in a way that it used to be. And because mm-hmm. I don't get income from it, uh, you know, it's purely for my creative release and mm-hmm. I'm not in it for online validation. Mm-hmm. It's easy to just step away and realize that it used to make me happy that's no longer the case and it's okay to to end yeah it's okay to move on to different things and what was creative life like when covid happened i remember you mentioned that you had some live videos on lazada and you also did some you also did some cooking tutorials on youtube so what was it like before before the pandemic okay so i had to kind of ease off from posting from let me wait let me just because I moved to um Metro Manila mm-hmm. um before the pandemic uh be, oh, because obviously it wouldn't make sense to release Bisaya reviews for the Devoenio crowd about establishments in Metro Manila right 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 and, and I guess that's also one thing that's important to to learn along the way is that you have to be conscious about whether your product, in this case, your posts, is still appealing or will still be appealing to your to your audience or your mm-hmm. target market. Um, so obviously, when the pandemic happened, uh, eating out wasn't a priority mm-hmm. for many people. Um, and that's why I shifted to creating instead easy-to-follow uh, recipes that I posted on YouTube that were still a little humorous, but, uh, you know, appropriate for someone who isn't as uh, proficient in cooking. I watched uh, a lot of your videos. I kind of fell into a rabbit hole there. And I think my favorite recipe that you made was the, was that longanisa? Was that chorizo pasta where you said it was a struggle meal? Because there wasn't anything in the fridge, and you like just gathered all of the ingredients and put them in a put them in a saucepan, and then boom, <laughs> that's it. And I feel like I feel like during COVID as well, so there are times that we because we don't want to go out, we just make do of what we have at home. Right, and you know after. <laughs> So I sort of got wind that there was going to be a lockdown before there was an actual lockdown. And that was the case for many of many people in Metro Manila. Mm. Uh, so we started hoarding a lot of canned goods. Mm. And after your sixth day of eating corned beef, like you need to come up with something creative. <laughs> so that's really how that started. Um, and then I also posted these uh, recipe videos on on different Facebook groups. And that's where I was approached by someone from Lazada. Mm. Um, and then they invited me to host these uh, live streams where I cooked for 30 minutes uh, mm. live. So that was also a, a new experience for me because uh, I had to 
it's you know it's surprisingly difficult to cook and talk and look at the chat box at the same time while promoting <laughs> Lazada sales, right? Uh, it's more difficult than you think. And I made it a point to not prep anything uh, prior to going live. So I wanted it to be uh, in real time so people would actually see how easy it was to mm. to cook these dishes and how. You know, you can turn a few simple ingredients to an exciting meal. And yeah, and that's really, uh, and that's what I meant when I said it's it's important to find opportunities when they present themselves, right? Exactly. Because, yeah, it's just. What was your favorite dish among all of the stuff that you cooked? I don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> because I you I used to do that every single night for a month. Hmm. How about your favorite dish yeah. now that you've recently done? Oh, I've I've made it um my personal mission to know how to to learn how to cook pan fried salmon perfectly, like still pink in the middle, uh, perfectly mm. seared, and also. Um, soy sauce scrambled eggs. Hmm. So what happens there? Soy sauce scrambled eggs that got me curious. Just literally eggs with soy sauce instead of salt. And then, so I have this technique where um, you get like soft, uh, soft scrambled eggs, mm-hmm. but with curds so mm. it's not like i don't know if you've seen gordon ramsay's uh, scrambled eggs but it's like watery his was sort of liquidy so it's more like uh silky um silky curds so it's a little more set than his but it's very soft so i made it a point to learn how to make the perfect scrambled eggs and um the perfect pan fried salmon. Now I'd like to know exactly how to cook uh, chicken breasts so that it's moist but cooked through <laughs> without a thermometer. <laughs> oh, but you do still use a thermometer like when you cook. No, no. I've never used uh, thermometers. I've never used, I've never measured ingredients. It was always instinctive. Like, like, um, I remember there was um, that Asian skit where, like, how people measure rice in the rice cooker, and they just put the the finger there. And I think they also don't use measuring spoons when cooking. Just everything's also instinctive. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. and and you know that sort of makes sense because uh, if you follow a recipe, for example, from an American chef who's cooking in America, mm-hmm. uh, the ingredients aren't the same. You know, their soy sauce isn't as salty. You know, it's a different taste from our soy sauce. Yeah. Uh, and, and like even the brand that you use of soy sauce uh, gives it a different flavor. So uh, you don't have to follow recipes, recipes to a T. So do you have any advice to like give other creatives who also want to try something that's similar to what you've done, like have a have a column on uh, on the newspaper about the or, or have 
a food blog or or have a cooking show like any advice that you'd like to give don't do it <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, number one is don't do it for validation do it because you love it it's something that you'd like to share uh it's a way for you to express your thoughts or your skill number two know your audience number three stick to your brand and number four create more opportunities and milk the opportunities when they present themselves awesome and uh, one more thing when you were in your journey what was the greatest challenge in doing the work that you do like what was the greatest challenge that you had to overcome and how did you overcome it you know i have very selective memory for some reason when it's something negative unless it's like a really big deal i tend not to remember i tend not to remember struggles um so i guess that's the greatest uh that was the most challenging maybe uh learning how to not take things personally Uh, so much so that a couple of years down the road, you don't even think about it. Uh, yeah, don't take things personally. Awesome. And right now, um, you're working in an insurance company. Um, how long have you been uh, with your company? With this company since 2018. Um, but I've been in the insurance industry as a trainer for since 2012 and a lot of people don't know that <laughs> a lot of well, people don't know that i have an actual job uh <laughs> some people still think that my main source of income is uh creative work like blogging or vlogging uh and they're still surprised to note that i indeed do have a corporate job and i am no longer Uh, partying every night. <laughs> Do you bring as well your creativity into your work? Like, are there any ways that you have also had a creative outlet while doing your corporate work? Yes. Um, in, well, in my early years as a trainer in, in the first insurance company that I used to work for, um, I found it, I felt like Uh, a bird whose wings were failing him, if mm. that makes sense. It felt like, I always felt like someone was plucking away my wings a feather at a time. Like mm. it literally, it was so draining. Everything I did was routinary. Um, I just felt like I was losing all my creativity because... Um, they'd have us teach modules that mm. were scripted and right. you could, yeah. And there was, you know, some leg room for you to, to make a funny comment or a, or a joke, but uh, uh, I was doing the same thing day in and day out. So it was stifling my creativity. Uh, and then later on, I discovered that I actually, in my capacity as a trader could start creating modules instead of just, Yes. conducting trainings oh. and that's where my creativity really kicked in and uh for some reason i was really good at uh using the real real estate of the slide you know maximizing that and um 
although it sounds like such a stretch from being a radio DJ, from being a blogger, um, a food reviewer, uh, to a trainer for a financial institution, mm-hmm. it actually did uh, help me quite a lot because I think I've learned how to communicate to people better. Meaning, because I was on, because I wrote so many articles, I understood how uh, something you'd write might be interpreted by your audience. That's right. And because I was on radio, I discovered how, I learned how something you said could be interpreted a particular way. So if you put those two things together, I think, uh, you know, it made me a really uh, a better trainer. That's uh, right. And all of yeah. the conversations and all of the communication like went smoothly than if you did not have that experience. So so it really did help. Yeah. Like everything that we go through in life really does help. Like every every decision and every kind of path that we take, like in the future, somewhere, somehow, there's still something that we get out of the things that we go through. And I thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. And um, if you want people to follow you on your socials, maybe you can give them your social media handle. Uh, let me wait. Let me on Facebook and Instagram. You can subscribe to my channel on YouTube. That's John Ortega, Z H A U N Ortega, spelled with an E, not an I. <laughs> uh, and you can follow me on Twitter. That's John at John Z H A U N, or Instagram John Seven Z H A U N number seven. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. And I learned a lot in our conversation. And um, those are are just awesome experiences that you've shared with everyone. And I'm sure that everybody who also wants wants to pursue a creative career or, you know, just have that and have their hand at, at, at a creative life or at a creative path and they can do and they, they can be inspired because of what you've done and thank you again so much and you have a good one no, thank you for inviting me yay thank you this is Aubrey and you're listening to It's All Material new episode every Thursday at 7pm